Kia ora, I'm Jen. And I'm Sophie. Welcome to A TARDIS OF ONE'S OWN. A queer feminist journey through time and space and new who. Hello. <laughs> Hello. How are you? Oh uh, yeah, meh. On the peaks and valleys that is mental health. <laughs> Bit of a valley. Like, I'm good, I'm good. Don't, like, this This isn't a cry for weird help. podcast cry for help, don't <laughs> worry. I have great support in my life, I'm very lucky, I'm good, I'm just, you know, it's just a bit flat, bit, bit sad. Had quite a lot of crying yesterday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so there's kind of, like, in the, in some fields. But other than that, largely fine, what's happened in the last two weeks? I honestly don't know what's happened in the last no, two honestly weeks. No, honestly don't, I'm thinking in real time, I don't know what's happened. <laughs> Oh, the COVID cruise ship turned up. The oh, fucking virus yeah. that still banes us. Yeah. It's gone away again there, but still. That was annoying. One of our managers left. That was oh, quite fucking dram- finally. Quite the dramatic exit. Jesus Christ. I think we will have talked about him in the last one. We were like, he just needs to fucking leave. Yeah. But yeah, so like the entire leaving performance has now. It was quite the ordeal. <laughs> and we still suffer the consequences. Yeah. Um, Generally just some low level like men being a bit incompetent mm. on a micro level in our work life but on a macro level like New Zealand rugby like there's stuff going on oh my gosh New Zealand <laughs> rugby what a performance um yeah lurching from PR disaster to PR disaster uh, for those who aren't familiar <laughs> currently the rugby world cup is being played in New Zealand for the women the black fans are the defending world champions they have five rugby world cup titles to their name making them the most successful rugby team regardless of gender they're defending their title under quite a lot of pressure because they haven't got had as much game time because of COVID you know New Zealanders have been mostly stuck here and they're up against people like England who have played a phenomenal amount of matches so it's going to be a tough ask for them to defend this and instead of getting the whole country to get behind this team and behind this tournament that they're hosting New Zealand Rugby in their wisdom decided to uh, schedule a All Blacks match at the exact same time as the Blackfins are playing a quarterfinal. So, you know, how would you feel if you were a player knowing that the organisation that's supposed to back you and, like, set you up for success is like... And this is the worst bit because their justification was like, oh, sorry, we just kind of forgot. We forgot that was happening. So, nice to know you're a footnote to your organisation's priorities. Boycott like, New Zealand rugby. No, literally, like, can you imagine? And it's purely just because the, the, the women's game is undervalued. Like, even in the face of... You think they, they latch on to any level of victory and even not a victory recently that the mm. All Blacks are doing. Mm. But, like, no, it's And just, also, you know. you know, rugby is a sport that is struggling in New Zealand. People, mm. because of the concussion risk, people are, parents particularly don't want their kids to play rugby. The only part of the game that is growing is women's rugby because women are seeing opportunities and, like, with the sevens game particularly being the Olympics, a lot of growth in the women's game. That is where your money's coming from. That's where your untapped potential is. And to show women that you don't actually give a shit it's just appalling behaviour from New Zealand rugby. Yep, and also just not commercial success either. Like, they're just going to lose. Nah. Yeah, it's just fucked. And then yeah. lip service, absolute lip service from them all the time, being like, women is a priority for us this year. Funny way you've shown it multiple no, times yeah. this year. And that's like, really fucked me off. Like, t- you made a great point earlier today, which is like, even this media coverage this week, it's the last fucking thing that those women need who are going to play this game on Saturday. Mm. Like, they need to be ahead in the game, like, protected from any distractions. And they're having to, like, have interviews and be like, oh, yeah, they kind of forgot about us, but maybe you could like record the All Blacks and watch us instead yeah, please yeah like going out with a message being like watch us and watch the All Blacks later like oh, that that's fucking bullshit they should feel the country behind them as they mm. defend this on home soil I know but no so I'm quite fucked. pissed about it yeah no I am too yeah so not not a great week 
for women in sport in New Zealand, Jesus. Um, yeah, okay. So, generally, how are you, my friend? This last oh, you know, it's been a lot. It's kind of the same, same as always, but I'm quite excited because I'm getting a tattoo tomorrow. So Yay! that'll be a nice little mental reset. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. For the benefit of our listeners, Jen has a wonderful tattooist who she's been seeing for a while, and I have jumped on that bandwagon because mm-hmm. he's brilliant. And I've been working on a sleeve over the last six weeks or so. And yeah, it's going really well. And mm-hmm. I'm so excited to see the new things that you get tomorrow. Yay. Yeah, so shout out to Cam from Dr. Morse. If you're looking for a tattooist in Wellington, I highly recommend. Cam but, Oliver. Yeah, he is booked out for like months in advance. Yeah. So just but, be aware of that. But, and it's great. It's great. Like, you know, when you go to a restaurant and the restaurant's busy? Yeah. That's a great sign of quality. I don't want a tattooist who's like, yeah, I can fit you in tomorrow. Like, no. I'm free right now. Yeah, no. I know. Like, I need you to be booked. I need you to be expensive. Those are yeah. the signs. When people that are like, oh, doing I can't good believe work. you paid that much for a tattoo. My Mine was like $20 and you're like, like yeah. yeah, looks it. <laughs> yeah, fuck. <laughs> okay, that's our judgment. Cool. <laughs> Let's crack on. Yes. <laughs> Would you like to episode some Yeah, friend? sure. So it's our first two-parter of season two. In this two-parter, the TARDIS crash lands in London on a parallel world where Rose's dad is still alive, people are disappearing off the streets, and one of the Doctor's deadliest enemies is about to be reborn. It's the Cybermen. As they take control of London and the population is enslaved, the Doctor and his friends become fugitives. Dun, dun, dun. So, big bell tiff. Uh, then yes, but like Rose and Jackie. I feel like 60 to 70% of our passes is just Rose and Jackie having some level of mother-daughter conversation. Yeah. It's just a marginal pass. Like, there's just so few main female characters yeah. that it always just ends up being, like, the two ones that reoccur. Yeah, and, like, the, the female characters that there are usually partnered with the Doctor. They're very rarely engaged with each no. other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and if, like, Rainette last week, if, mm. two weeks ago, they, if they do exist, they talk about the Doctor. Yeah. Yeah, it's shit. Yeah. So it is a bit of a, a marginal path. Yeah. So I might do some overall episode thoughts mm-hmm. and then crack into my topic of discussion. Please. I mean, mate, like, <laughs> it was a, I feel like there's been a bit of a, with the exception of the season ender for season one, my experience of the two-parters has been underwhelming. Yeah. So my notes are, these eps were meh. <laughs> I feel like it didn't need to be a double. Yeah. Like, we could have had a much pacier, like... It was a necessary padding. Okay. It. Yeah, yeah, condense that into one. Just, like, yeah. And big confession. Uh, don't at me for this, but I think the Cybermen are dorky and kind of dumb. <laughs> like, I've always thought this, that they're just, like, a bit lame. Like, I don't take them seriously. I'm not mm. like, this is a foe. And, like, with the Daleks, I was, like, the same, but then actually they are kind of scary. Yeah. But the Cybermen are just dumb. Like, I recognise they're dangerous, whatever, they kill people. But they just look really silly. And it's this thing of, like, their design was probably designed in the 60s, mm. and the parts department had lots of, like, <laughs> silver paint, <laughs> some cardboard boxes, and some plumbing bits. And they were like, that'll do. But, yeah. 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 The only reason they scare, I guess, is because of the sheer numbers, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Once they overswarm you and overwhelm you and drag you off. I find the robotic thing, the cutting thing, way more scary. When they show those shots of that thing being like, zip, zip, zip. I'm yeah, like, I don't yeah, like yeah. it. I don't want my brain cut out of my body. Um, yeah, but they're a bit naff, I agree. They are funny, though, but like not in a... I don't think in a way they're supposed to be funny. No, no, no. Not in a like, ooh. Yeah. It's just in a lol. Because I always, always, I used to always go, delete. Delete, delete <laughs> all the time. I remember that watching this. I'm like, oh yeah, because they're so naff. It's all a bit camp. I found this episode yeah, they very are. camp. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, okay, okay, interesting. We'll circle back to that point. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make a note. And then this episode opened with the Doctor and Rose being super fucking mean to Nikki. Mm. Nikki. <laughs> Nikki. 
the third <laughs> Oh my god, brother. lol, to Mickey. And I just hate it. I was like, oh, this is really weird. And then we end up in parallel University of London, which is essentially normal London, With plus blunts. Zeppelins <laughs> and chonky AirPods. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, you know when they, we alternate a higher budget app and yeah. a lower budget app? Like, they were like, we're putting all the effort into all the Cybermen costumes. I'm not sure those so, Zeppelins must have been hard to animate. <laughs> like, they, dude, the CGI is fucking bad. Dead dad, not dead. But no. TARDIS is dead, but I think. I will point out, but Rose is so annoying because, like, yeah. she's learned nothing from Father's no, Day. No, no, not at all. Like, nothing. Yeah, she's yeah. just doing no, the exact same thing. The doctor still has to be like, don't change anything. I'm like, really? Are we having this conversation? Yeah. Rose is not great in this episode. Remember the church? No, I know. Yeah, fuck the church. So, yeah, so that's my, like, general. Mm-hmm. Eh, what did you think? You're yeah, like, I, was, I was very you underwhelmed and didn't whelmed. Really... No one was whelmed. No. We're all underwhelmed. Underwhelmed. Meh. Meh. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> oh my god. New Taylor Swift album. All the um, songs sound the same. I'm sorry, Tay Tay. I love you, Tay Tay, but <laughs> yeah. Jack Antonoff ain't it. <laughs> <laughs> my new nemesis. Ooh, Swifty's gonna get you. Yeah, probably. We're probably like they ruined. They hunt you down. <laughs> gonna get doxxed. <laughs> gonna be on our Twitter mentions. Yeah. We'll just know. Um, yeah, I just, I agree with you that they, it probably could have been one episode and probably have been a bit better. There's a lot of needless faffing about. And I don't blame Mickey for at the end being like, actually, you know what? I'm fucking out. I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. Look after blind man in the stair. And this guy that I'm pretty sure Ricky had a relationship with. Like, yeah. Like, I ship it. Okay, anyway. no, I ship it. Yeah, too. We can talk about him later. Yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. So, discussion topic. Yeah. It's my week. Probably a bit on the nose topic, but... I picked this idea of striving for improvement. Mm-hmm. So in the episode, evil billionaire, whose name I've forgotten, Luctus, oh, John Barty Luctus. Crouch from Harry Potter. <laughs> That's all I could think of the whole time. Oh, I'm cute. Like, Barty Crouch, why are oh, you doing this? Don't do it, and Barty. David Tennant, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, my God. No, I don't Oh, my God. Saying. It's like, yeah. Um, it's only a few years after, so they were probably like, I think this is which episode, which film was the... Goblet of Fire. Oh, yeah, so it'll be about then. Hmm. Cool. Anyway, sidebar. Uh, so in this episode, Evil Billionaire is trying to facilitate what they call the ultimate upgrade. So it's improving humans by prolonging life, putting a human brain in a Cyberman body, and removing all emotions. So as they say in the episode, they don't get hurt. Mm. And then in a different way, like Mickey and Rose are trying to, again, because they've learned nothing from time travel, improve their pasts by finding their dead relatives in this parallel universe. Mm. And it made me think about this concept of like striving to improve. And how that can be really damaging, how there's too much focus on it, how something that can be a good thing that is, like, empowering and powerful to, like, control your life, control your destiny, control what you want to achieve, gets quite often hijacked. Mm. And there's a lot of impact to women and marginalised people by that. And so just, like, off the top of my head, I was like, well, first of all, this whole removing emotions thing. Mm. (laughs) Who is most often told to be less emotional? Yeah. Women. Yeah. And from, yeah, like, kind of quite different sectors of our life like the societal pressure to improve maybe in like your mind so it's things like meditation the mindfulness self-help kind of movement this almost weaponized mental health kind toxic of positivity toxic positivity and it's so bullshit and then like body focused you know like mm-hmm. fitness diet weight loss cosmetics whether that's makeup or more permanent solutions yeah disabilities mm-hmm. right yoga <laughs> Have you tried yoga? <laughs> um, minty. In like, oh my god, minties. Um, sales of minties have actually really spiked. Yeah, we can track that. <laughs> actually, what we can see is like Google searches for minties for <laughs> and as have requests for fillings. <laughs> 
Yeah, in like a job way, this kind of focus on being a girl boss. Oh, yeah. Hustle Side hustles. Yeah, like working up that career ladder, having a focus on ambition. And then like finances. So like, are you being constructive with your savings? Are you striving to buy a house? Mm. What's your retirement plan? Like this idea of like constantly trying to improve, but like why? I find it really interesting that you framed it like that because if you think about improvement and stuff like buying a house and investing and all these things that you're told you should work towards, yeah. climb the corporate ladder, do these things. What we're talking about is improvement to conform because yeah. those are conforming ideals, right? So we're all yeah. trying to reach this ideal that has been decided for us that that is what we should want as a society. So we're like trying to get there, trying to improve to reach this goal that is arguably always shifting because Mm. capitalism wants us to keep consuming. So therefore the goal changes all the time. But when you think about the Cybermen, they are all about conformity. 100%. They're completely removing human individuality. Mm -hmm. You all want to be the same. You don't want to have independent thought. Everything is exactly the same. So it's just interesting to think of it like that. Um, And I was thinking of perfectionism as well, you know, and how women are more likely to be perfectionists than men and how there's that whole thing about women won't apply for a job unless they're 100% qualified, but men will, like, are willing to have a crack. Yeah. And how perfectionism is always held up as this thing like, oh, I'm such a perfectionist, but it's not what it is Mm. at all. And I say that as someone who is a diagnosed perfectionist. It's not something that you're like, haha, lols. It's something that is actually really debilitating because you're constantly doubting yourself. You're constantly not good enough and you're striving for perfection, which you know is an impossible ideal. But therefore, you have worse mental health outcomes because you're always disappointing yourself. Yep. It doesn't matter what you do. And then there's this whole thing about improving yourself. And you, you can never, you're never finished. You're never good enough. Yeah, yeah, you have no, to keep going. No, and how it. that's really toxic. No, absolutely. And I think, like, constantly striving. I think, you know, I want to be... And this is obviously taking a lot of thinking and, like, mm. pushing against these kind of narratives. And I'm 100% not there. I don't want anyone to assume that I feel like I'm not still a work in progress. But... I want to be happy where I am to meet myself in that moment and recognize that that's with flaws and everything, mm. but be happy now and then choose to work on something or develop something like on those terms. Mm-hmm. But I've wasted a fuck ton of my life being like, I'll be happy when yes. I've, I mean, specifically uh, for a long time with eating disorder issues, like when I've lost that five kgs or when I've met that fitness goal or, you know, like, Oh, some bad times where you know when being single and being like oh yeah when I'm in a relationship and mm-hmm. no you're just deferring deferring this happiness is literally such a waste of potential yeah it's such a waste of life like you're not going to get that time back yeah because fundamentally you need to fix what you're missing within yourself you can't look for external factors mm-hmm. in order to fulfill that need within you so you need to do that work in order to like be enough for yourself to be content in the moment and then you can strive for the things that will enrich your life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's not a thing that you're missing in yourself. It's something that you want to make your life fuller and more enriched, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I used to always, you know, when I used to go to therapy and stuff, it would always be like, what do you want? And I would say, I want to be happy. But I really reframed that because I think happiness is also uh, striving for perfection. It's also striving for improvement. And I think happiness is this thing we're sold, but you can't be happy all the time. No. And realizing that is so valuable because then you stop pushing yourself to Mm. reach these unattainable goals because you can be like, is this enough for me right now? Am I enough? And usually the answer is yes, and you can be content. And I think contentment is more important than happiness. No, Um, yeah, that's a really good point. And I think taking that pressure off yourself mm. of being like, I'm not happy all the time, 
and that's okay. Yeah. Like, even the, you know, this last few days where I've been feeling not so great, like, it's easy for me to slip back into, like, oh, but you have these great things in your life. Yeah. Like, why are you not happy? And I'm like, doesn't matter. Which is where the toxic yeah. positivity comes mm-hmm. in. It's like, oh, you know, you just, you can change your mindset and think about all the great things you mm-hmm. have every day and think about this and think about that. And it's like, actually, it doesn't matter if I know that I'm privileged. I can recognize my privilege and still feel like shit. Like, they, they're yeah. my emotions. This is my yeah. life. This is the yeah. boundaries in which I live. And that's okay. We don't always have to make ourselves feel guilty for that. And this is no, the problem, exactly. I think, also with striving for improvement. We're just exposed to so many influences that always tell us that, you know, you're not enough. Whether mm-hmm. it's influences on Instagram having amazing lives or Mm. amazing holidays or just looking flawless and amazing and you're like oh maybe if I just get some Botox or maybe if I do this and maybe if I do that you're like never happy where you are I've said to you I really struggled pre-pandemic with like FOMO around travel right Mm. because my friends would always be traveling and I used to travel a lot when I lived in Australia and like when I lived in the UK since moving to New Zealand it's so much harder to go anywhere it's really fucking far away from everyone and it's very expensive and so I don't travel as much as I would have thought I would when I was younger and my friends would always be traveling and I'd be like oh I'm missing out and I should be doing this and everyone expects me to do this and I put a lot of pressure on myself and feel really shit about it and the pandemic was great for that because suddenly no one was traveling Mm. and it really gave me an opportunity to examine that within myself I could sit there and go if I never traveled again would I be okay with it and now that people are traveling and I see it on Instagram I'm like I'm not falling into this trap again i'm actually perfectly content living my life the way i am but that's that kind of like always striving always improving it's never good enough you always have to be moving yeah yeah absolutely constantly having that idea of like what's next what's Mm. next i think i get that in a work sense Mm -hmm. like maybe the last definitely a couple years in a more chill sense but more specifically in the last like six months to a year i've really been like no like i want to do what i feel like i do well Mm. what I get paid moderately okay for and what is well within the boundaries of my burnout. Yeah. I don't, I have no interest in getting into a stretch position where I'm really pushing myself, you know, looking for that thing. And and my experience is some managers really don't like it. They yeah. don't get it. And they're like, in your performance review or your weekly catch-up or monthly catch-ups, they'll be like, okay, so what's what's next? What's like your one-year goal? What's your, and I'm like, this. <laughs> I just want to get good at this and you know see where how I go like it's not like I want to do a shit job not at all mm. and I'll look for ways to improve or you know like because I'm the tasks I do like on a on a small level I want to be doing things well and efficiently but like in terms of like that next step in the career ladder that like like no I opt out yeah why do you always have to be moving why can't you just be happy where you are I don't I highly doubt that I'd be you know if I'm lucky enough to be like 80 90 whatever yeah. I'm not going to be thinking like Oh, when I was younger, I wish I'd, like, worked more hours, mm. tried harder, had less living yep. in my prime. Like, no one ever fucking thinks that, right? No. Like, as long as you are, and I'm very grateful and lucky to live comfortably. Like, I have, I live in a dry, warm home with mm. plenty of food in the fridge, like. Yeah, exactly. That should <sighs> yeah. be motivated by your needs, not just by blind consumerism. Which is or, the only thing the I can think of. like, yeah, it's that. It's by consumerism. It's appearances so much it's Mm. like oh but the joneses like they got a nice car and it's because mr jones got that promotion and yeah or it's like lifestyle creep yeah and it's just like that quest that you know that women have it you can have it all and especially Mm. i think women are faced with this you know you have to be the perfect mother the perfect spouse the perfect Mm. partner the perfect work person (laughs) you have to have the perfect house always in the perfect condition Mm. like you're always just like coming up against so much perfection and I think it's interesting that in this episode, it's not 
it's not like Cassandra. It's not a vanity thing. This person no. is, you know, the billionaire, whatever his name is, Barty yeah. Crouch, is yeah. dying. <laughs> and that's why he's compelled to do this. But it's also that, you know, that hubris. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't want to die, so yeah. therefore I will do this thing. This it is why affects we're... humanity. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to do this for myself. And even then, he's, like, reluctant at the end. He's, like, mm. he, he loses control of it. But, yeah, I feel like this is what's going to drive us all to have our consciousness downloaded into the bloody internet. This is what our future's going to be. Well, Against our will, Mark Zuckerberg's just going to do it while we sleep. Yeah, and be like, oh, so you're in the metaverse now. Don't like, have legs. Don't cool. worry about it. <laughs> yeah. You touched on a really great point then. I want to come back to it. Like, in my, like, little listing of ways that I feel like society is pressuring us to improve, mm. I missed out family relationships, motherhood. Yeah. Oh, but, like, when will you get a husband? Or when will you get a wife? Or mm. when you are know, you going to have kids? Mm, that thing of, like, really uh, society as a whole generally has an idea of this track. This, yeah. like, set of pre-described milestones and that is what happiness and what success is... Yeah, I mean, we had a great example Mm. of that the other day when I said to you I had that conversation with my grandma and I was Mm. like, I feel like my family think that my life is really sad and it makes me sad that they think my life is sad because my life is amazing. I have an incredible life. But from their point of view and from their context, you know, they live in South Africa, which is more conservative, and they're like, you don't have a partner, you don't have kids, Mm. you don't want to get married, you don't want to have kids. For them, they just think I'm really, really sad and I guess a bit pathetic. And I'm like, my life is great. But they can't conceive a world where someone wouldn't want a partner. Yeah. And isn't actively trying to get one. And even, like, conversations I find with people, you know, small talk conversations, people are like, are you on the dating apps? And I'd be like, no. Mm. And they'd be like, what? They can't conceive a world where I don't want that. But I just Mm. actually don't. So I think I'm pretty, like, I'm pretty lucky in that I don't want that. Yeah, absolutely, right? Mm. I'm freed from this expectation. Mm. But from the outside, people will still be like, that's how you can improve your life. I know, and then that shit because it becomes then your your problem effectively to either challenge them, mm. which you shouldn't have to defend your position to anyone, or just like with your gran, be in your head being like, no, I'm okay. Like, and you end up having to do that resilience, like yeah. self talk work because people make you doubt yourself, right? Like, yeah. And I, like, I know, like, I'm very happy with my life, so I just wish they would see it. Yeah. But you can't make people see other things, right? No, so. you can't. And I mean, I think it is a generational thing, too. Yeah. And, like, the oldies, with respect, are dying off. Yeah. So hopefully those attitudes will increasingly... I mean, I know, again, we live in a very left-of-center, globally country, and quite progressive and lots of things, and so our experience is definitely not the experience of the world, but typically things are getting a bit more progressive, like... I think people just need yeah. to be conscious of the effects these things can have. Because you make mm. a throwaway comment about, you know, oh, you should get married. Or I used to call my dad out for this all the time. He'd be like, oh, my cousin's cases when they got married, being like, when are you going to have kids? And like, you should not ask people that question. Mm. You don't know what they're dealing with. It's a horribly invasive thing to ask. And I think this idea of like constant improvement just has really serious mental health implications. Like, there was this study done in 2014, which found that people with perfectionism, which I think I'm going to just draw a line between perfectionism <laughs> and striving to improve. Yeah. But they said, you know, that they found that that certain symptoms of depression and especially suicidal thoughts can be much stronger in people who are perfectionists because mm-hmm. they're just constantly under this pressure. They're constantly self-isolating and they have this tendency towards self-criticism, right? So, yeah, yeah. And it's a high-functioning depression, so people don't see it. 
because mm. you just this part of your personality. Mm. And I think if you're constantly being forced to improve and you can't improve because of your various, you know, your health, your economic situation, who knows what's going on, mm. but you're constantly being given this ideal, of course your mental health's going to suffer because you don't feel like you're enough. Yeah. Yeah. Which is where I think Mickey is in this episode. <laughs> Poor Mickey. Oh, I know. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Like, I I think it's a cool arc for him. I think mm. it's actually it's actually one of my stand-up moments, but I'll talk about it now, that this that we get to see more of him. Mm. We get to see more of his story, his personality. But it's also just fucking sad. You yeah. know, especially that bit when, you know, Mickey and Rose are both deciding to completely forget everything they've learned about fucking with timelines <laughs> and are going, you know akimbo mm. to go and track down dead relatives and the doctor is choosing someone to follow and mickey's like you're obviously gonna go after her yeah which i think is an interesting choice as well because mickey is arguably the less experienced time traveler he's only yeah. been to one other place and it was a self-contained spaceship and the yeah, doctor's yeah. like oh well yolo well and that's it it's because the doctor doesn't care about him personally yeah it's got nothing to do with his expertise or it's mm. literally the doctor just gives a shit about Rose so yeah so yeah. like by the time we're at the, at the end of this episode like no fucking wonder yeah Mickey ends up staying right like what does he have so I do want to ask that question and I made a note about it do we see Mickey again oh okay cool so this isn't forever like no. it's painted as forever but yeah it's interesting as well thinking of it from this idea of improvement right because I think Mickey is kidnapped essentially off the street by these people and he doesn't really understand <laughs> yeah, and he classic classic yeah. bundling into a van and then there's this idea, you know, he meets his alternate self. Yeah. And he's presented as being really together. He's leading this band. He's yeah, like, yeah. London's most wanted or whatever yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, Mickey's life is quite small on Earth. So he's seeing this version of himself, which mm. he could perceive as an improved version, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah and this yeah, is yeah. the life that he can enter into. But then as we get to know more about Ricky, it transpires that he's very similar to Mickey. Yes. I know. I, in my notes, I was like, evil Mickey, Ricky. <laughs> Because that's just, kind of because he comes across as like like more intense and yeah. like he's like always doing his like frowny face when he's being Ricky. Yeah, it's I guess you get to see you. We always want to imagine ourselves as like if all everything went right in my life, if every potential I had was unlocked, what would that look like? You know, and yeah. Mickey has this opportunity to be like under pressure, mm-hmm. I become the the leader of the resistance. Like, yeah, that's quite cool. Yeah, it is, and I think. So he's totally cool with, like, living in this parallel universe and, like, his blind man who's still alive and he's, who he's going to look after is obviously thinks that he's Ricky and he's like, I can be Ricky. Yeah. Like, Aww. yeah. He just wants to see her again. I know. I know, because he blamed himself for her death. It's, like, mm. fucking intense. There's some, like, quite dark plot. And I think, and we keep talking about this, like, Doctor Who is actually for primetime scheduling and kids viewing nominally, like, is actually quite dark at points. Yeah. And this whole thing of them, you know, realizing that they have these emotional inhibitors and that's what keeps their emotions on lockdown and they can override the control by disabling that. And then they do that. And the success is that the Cybermen are suddenly feeling all of their emotions, all of this intense suffering, and they literally go mad and die from suffering. It's a very cruel way to it's end horrific. this thing. And yeah. everyone's like, yay, Cybermen defeated. Yeah. And no. they're like writhing around in absolute, total emotional, mental trauma. They didn't choose. These humans yeah. that have been put in these little suits did not choose this. No. Nope. It's an incredibly cruel way to kill them, I thought, myself. It's like yeah, this yeah, emotional yeah. overload. You wouldn't even do that with like a pit, right? No, we euthanize animals. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. I know. I was like, holy shit. And not really taking a second to be like... I do feel like yeah. he... There was a moment where Ten was like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, when the, the person 
the first one oh, broke. And he was wh- like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. When he's rummaging gonna... around in the chest and it's like, yeah, flesh tendrils. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think he, there was a moment where he was like, oh, this is going to be horrible. But I don't feel like there was enough of that. I don't feel no. like there was enough weight around the fact that this is actually incredibly cruel. No matter which way you cut it. Like, yeah. this is so horrific. You wouldn't do this to a spider. No, no, no. You not wouldn't at all. do this to anything. And to do this to these people who did not choose it, who was, like, massacred against their will, is just yeah. horrible. It's a lot. I do think if you're a kid watching this, that would go over your head. Like, a lot of the dark yeah. stuff you would not notice as a child. Which is a good point that they are pitching this. There's layers of understanding, right? Um, and kids will pick up on... The fun stuff. And, yeah. like, ooh, scary peril. And... Hijinks. And parents will be like, oh no, the coming death. Yeah. <laughs> My <Jesus>. mortality. <laughs> Great. Oh. I've got a few random observations. Yeah, we might as well go crack into it. Yeah. Um, episode five opens with an homage to Frankenstein <laughs> in a very direct way. Yeah. When he's like, well, look what I have created. And he was just such a pantomime villain. It just made me yeah. remember, like, as Barty Crouch, he is a bit <laughs> pantomime as well. I'm this like, is, is this just how you are? Yeah. When he's that bit at the, at the right at the start where he's like, how will you do that? From beyond the grave. <laughs> I know, I what know. is happening? And ultimately <laughs> he is reluctantly transformed into what I'd like to call the Cyberman Professor X. Yeah, why Rolling is he? Around. Like, I really feel for him that he's like, yes, I'm going to, my body is dying, so I will transport my mind into this thing. And then he's like, why am I still immobile? <laughs> no one knows. Mm, cyber controller. Yeah. My note just says cyber controller exclamation mark. Ha 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 ha. Fucking hell, why? <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah, no one knows. Once you get rid of sickness and mortality, what is there to strive for? Interesting from the doctor. Mm. Made me think about all those allegories about vampires and how once you have immortality, the ennui of existence is just like, why do I want to be alive if I have, if I live forever? <sighs> this and is a great point. So, so like vampires can be killed right in a very specific way, but like if they don't get killed, they live forever. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty much the same with elves, right? In the Lord of the Rings canon, yeah. they kind of live forever until they decide to like ascend to the Grey Havens, yeah. or if they get killed. Well, they die of a broken heart, canonically. Yeah, okay, fuck, right? So they live for, like, a really, really long time, but still find meaning and structure in the fact that they, yeah, can... Elves are interesting because they lose so much time. Like, we see that in <laughs> Rings of Power, when <laughs> Durin is like, what time do you call this? To yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's been, like, 20 years, and he's like, oh, I don't fucking know, I'm an elf, I blink, and it's been 20 years. Whereas I feel like vampires are more aware of the passing of time. In the moment? Yeah. I suppose mm, it depends which genre of vampire you're into. I'm just thinking of, like... That is a great point, because, no, it's not apples and apples. No, but I think, like, in the Anne Rice era of vampires, there's yeah. definitely... The, the They feel the passing of time. Some of them more than others. Emo Louie, the OG emo, <laughs> is very much like, oh, God, everything is terrible. <laughs> and then you've got Lestat being like, fuck this, I'm just going to nap for a bit. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Cool. Yeah. I think I, like, I thought about it a lot. I would quite like to be a vampire, purely yeah. because I want to read a lot of books. No, I think this too. And so if we go to the Twilight canon of vampires, mm. they don't sleep. So no. his, his room has this comfy reading chair. But they make the weird decision to go to school. Yeah, I know, I know. That's, and then college. That's not... Which wastes a lot of time. Yeah. Like, Edward has been, he's three medical degrees. He's been through med school yeah. three times in the States. That's like eight years. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah, per med no. school. Yeah, no, I know. Like, why? Yeah. And so then that's a great point with the elves as well. They have jobs. Like, <laughs> in, again, let's not 
not speak its name again, Rings of Power. What's his name? The hot one? Arundir. Yeah, Arundir. So they turn up and he's like stepping down from his post, like guarding that particular area of the Mm. Southlands. And he casually drops it. He's been in that role for 70 years. So first of all, weird that he has a love interest with the human because he's been there probably since her nan was a child. So like (laughs) odd. But like, don't, like why... Why are they doing jobs? Because yeah. they're so fucking worthy. They're just like, no, but... Well, they're guarding the door uh, words from the of everybody because the humans are shit. <laughs> like, these humans cannot be trusted. Yes, and like, oh, we'll do jobs. But like, we do the best jobs and the humans do the labory jobs. Like, yeah, it's weird. Depends again which elves are you talking about. Some of them just lounge about drinking wine and writing poetry, which is the kind of elf that I would be. I mean, like, Elrond is like... A herald, but he's mainly just like remembers stuff. Political like his job elf. is just like I'm doing diplomatic. I mean, Elrond is interesting as well because he chose to be an elf. Yeah, half elf, and his yeah, brother did that's it, right? weird. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Should we start a separate sidebar? <laughs> start a separate podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we complain about rings of power. Yeah, I mean, there's actually a lot of context there. So, <laughs> hey, we got Mickey the hacker again. I'm good oh with my god, dude! My note. Literally, Mickey equals tech guy again, says, I'm good with computers, as a throwaway comment, then proceeds to do some actual quite complex hacking and save everything. Like, the doctor like, just no. also just assumes that he's watching and he's like, mobile phones. phones. And the code. <laughs> and the Cybermen are meant to be like, incredi- like and they're just standing human there bodies and they're this. like, he's obviously not performing to the CCTV. Like, it's very weird. Um, oh. Just that flip phone as well. Just yeah, makes me lol. <laughs> they get onto parallel universe Earth and they're like, where are we? When are we? They use a newspaper to find the date. Yeah. How quaint. And the old days. The newspaper in a bin. <laughs> Newspapers aren't even in bins nowadays. Um, splitting up, also not a good idea. You know, like, no, what could go wrong? Never go, like, what fuck it, like, why? This does annoy me, these tropes. I know. Like, I, I DM a D&D campaign and the other day my crew my my team company that's the one like the company Posse. were like should we should split up and i was just like as the dm one that's hell for me to dm but also why would you think that's a good idea don't fucking split up never have you split never up. ever seen any media involving a group splitting up is always bad yeah yeah it's very weird um, lots, uh, lots of tortured refs in this app yeah. but that come to no fruition so are they sowing seeds they are indeed okay I love that Barty Crouch, is, I can't remember his name, so he's Barty Crouch, was just Darth Vadering in that meeting. <laughs> Oxygen mask. He's like, shh. He's like, you're, you're great, you're fine businessmen, but you're not God. Yeah. Okay, then. Um, his... I'm governed by greater laws. Man's right to survive. <laughs> it's so dramatic. Um, and his henchman slash servant rebels against him. <laughs> no, he tried to sneak The ultimate, off. yeah. And then he comes back and he's like, it's time for you to be transformed. And he can't like wheel away in time. And he's like, I'm not ready. And he got transformed. Some odd comments, like when they were talking about removing the earpods, it was like, don't it'll cause a brainstorm. And I was a bit like, oh. Yeah. Can I say brainstorm? Yeah. Also, we had loose, um, Jealous Rose again when she's like, oh, don't. maybe Fuck. Lucy is just a bit fake. I'm like, why are you still on with this? Also, what did you think was going to happen when you had that conversation with Jackie? Like, honestly, how did you think that was going to play out? Yeah, no, I know. The entire depth and breadth of Rose in this episode isn't great. Mm. At the end of it, I'm, I know I'm jumping around in chronology, but at the end of it, Mickey stays. Rose is being self-centered. Yeah. You literally don't want him there. But when he's finally like, actually, I'm going to be, uh, we're done. Like, I need to get a clean break from you and look mm. after myself. And she's like, ah. It's like, don't fucking like do one. Yeah. It also made me think of, we talked about it in the last episode when he's like, I let you keep Mickey when he was talking 
talking about the horse. Like, as a pet? It's because of the doctor that Mickey is there. He was the one yeah. that was like, oh, come along then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. wasn't Rose's choice. So now she's all like, no, you can't just have him around because he makes you feel wanted. That's horrific. And when she has no other more interesting love interest or like sex interest. Yeah. That's it. That's only when he's like relevant. Yeah, I don't like it. Chloroform. Did they chloroform them? <laughs> they did they did. chloroform? They did. <laughs> like a little random. It looked like it was in like Popper's vials, but I'm assuming it's chloroform. I watched a Brooklyn Nine-Nine episode the other day where someone got chloroformed and Jake's like, I've always wanted to be chloroformed. I'm like, amazing. Finally, some chloroform. Oh, so good. Um, um, can I just say that man, yeah. the henchman guy, yes. the right-hand man being like, oh, let's drown out that screaming with track 90, like psychotic behavior. So like bizarre, right? This episode is so dark. Unrelatedly, Parallel Universe Dead Dad has such an orange tan. (laughs) Like, offensively orange, but I think obviously on purpose. But, yeah, Yeah. it's very weird. Ricky ends up dead, obviously paving the way for Mickey to assume his identity in perpetuity. Why did they strip Mickey for that interview? Because, you know, he's like... (laughs) And he's also, like, quite buff. I was just watching that like, like, is he... Why did they strip him? Is he naked? What is happening right now? Because we haven't had any topless men since Jack being naked with the fresh box. Maybe this is something they're trying to do once a season. (laughs) We need to have some gratuitous man flesh on display. Let's see if anyone goes... Topless in season three. I, I like would bet money it's not going to be David Tennant. Whilst he's lovely, I feel. I mean, he's your type. The Needs in need of a sandwich, <laughs> male physique. Correct. <laughs> um, okay, let's talk about guest appearance from Andrew Hayden Smith. He's looking incredibly mid noughties He's is this the boy band? Yeah, <laughs> he's from Biker Grove. Do you know Biker no. Grove? Oh, okay. So Biker Grove is like this teen. It's set in like a school. Yeah. It's, like, it's like a drama about a school like kind of like home and away or neighbors but it's like focused around kids set in a like school heartbreak high. yeah yeah kind of but like very not woke yeah. and like went from like the mid 90s to the mid noughties and he was he was in it from when he was like 13 playing like ben carter um this like heart throbby character but the show is obviously geordie and so he's geordie mm. so we get like amazing this is his proper accent which i love um, yeah, I just wrote down, this guy in Ricky's band looks like a boy band member. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Spiky hair. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Like, that was it. So, like, if you were, like, anyone who knew anything about pop culture around the year 2000, mm. you would have been heart-throbbing over Andrew Hayden Smith. I'm not sure if he'd come out at this point. Well, his name um, is Jake, and I've decided I ship him and Ricky. Like, there's yeah, obviously something there's going some on Yeah, there's some vibes. There. I think we should do that. Like, yeah. I, that's headcanon that. I think that, that they makes had sense. A love interest. And then I feel like him and, like, he's, he's so against Mickey, right? Because Ricky yeah. has just died, yeah, yeah, and this yeah, guy yeah. who looks exactly like him is around. I'm like, mm, no, I ship it. I ship it. I yeah. ship that for them. And then as soon as they get some success and they're hacking, they're like bros. Yeah, it's very. It didn't take much for them to bond. No. Well, this is the end times. Yeah, I mean, true. Stressful times, you know. Yeah. And I know I've said this before, but I'll say it again. Unrealistic expectations of humans' upper body strength, climbing up that unanchored rope ladder, like flailing <laughs> in the wind from the underneath that zeppelin, like. No, even in a situation of dire peril, that's extremely hard because no, it's not anchored at the bottom. And yeah, once it's got some other weight of the other dudes oh, in it, but man. Rose going up at first, no, no way in hell. I can barely do a pull-up, so you I know, can't this, even, I can't that's do a not happening dude. for me. Really. And then the Cybermen hanging off the end of it as well and like trying to pull you down. Like, no. mm. And then like the Sonic screwdriver just like vibes and yeah. just burns through the... I mean, anyway, whatever. I thought that Dad was going to sacrifice himself. I thought that might be interesting. Oh, resolution, d- yeah, but he I didn't. Mean, 
Rose and her daddy issues are so annoying. Like, honestly, so annoying. Like, you've had a resolution to these fucking issues. I know, I know. And it just feels like really mess, not messy, like lazy Aww. writing. Right? Like, does she have a personality other than being a bit of a dad-focused semi-orphan? Like, it sucks. I'm not into it. (laughs) Yeah, basically. (laughs) Not into it. I'm not into it either. Okay, yeah, so this was written by Tom McRae, who has not written the episode before. New writer, who dis? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I don't think he came back, so I'll wait this one from him for Matt Smith's era. So he does come back. Oh, okay. Maybe he's, like, third tier. You know, like, if Russell T, Steve Moffat... Mm. aren't free they're like get get tom in and then like <laughs> we get yeah it's just a lot hey mm-hmm. just a lot i do like better see power station making out appearance Yay! i love better see i used to walk past it all the time and now Cute. it's like full of apartments which makes me a bit oh. sad but that's gentrification <laughs> did you have any standout moments look i, I just want to say one more thing i knew mrs moore was gonna die like that whole setup the whole yeah. time with her, and that makes me sad like stop killing the women just stop bringing in women know, and just killing them. I, so this is a bit odd, but I thought for a second, is she going to be evil? Like, I don't know. There was a weird vibe. Yeah. Like, they're, they're focused on her in an odd way. And I was like, she's either going to die or she's either going to be a baddie. Um, yeah. Or, like, she's going to have weird aims for the rebel alliance mm. because that's kind of what they are, right? Yeah. Like, they're little, like, viva la revolucion. All three of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like. And then I was like, is this a cult as well? They're a bit intense mm. and then to start with I was like oh my god they're siding with the conspiracy theorists but then I was like they are right though <laughs> this is a conspiracy <laughs> oh no I was like no. don't encourage them yeah don't yeah yeah so anyway I just want to say that I'm just mm-hmm. very tired of these women getting introduced to side characters and then immediately dying but never mind I don't actually have that many standout moments because I found it really annoying but I do like the pantomime of it I thought it was incredibly camp yeah. just the way it's set up and the fact that Barty Crouch is such a pantomime mustache twirling villain <laughs> He does not come out of it well, does he? But then I love that line where he's like, I will upgrade only with my last breath. And the Cyberman's like, then breathe no more. Very metal. It's a very it metal It is very line. metal. So I'm yeah. like, that is probably my standout moment. Okay. So I love the whole, like, I'm getting rescued by Scooby-Doo and his gang. They even have the van. And, okay, <laughs> I will say the Doctor's quite funny. He's, when he gets captured and he's like, Rose and Pete are still out there. They can rescue me. Oh, well, never mind. <laughs> sarcastic he is so uh, yeah always finds the uh opportunity to be sarcastic so i did enjoy that i'll give him that cool um what were your stand-up moments i mean same in that i felt like i was scraping the bottom of the barrel lol just generally great acting from david tennant head and shoulders above everyone else Mm -hmm. and again i've mentioned it before but his accent like as an english person i cannot tell he's not english yeah it's just very safely generic kind of general England voice. And even when he's shouting, even when he's so passionate, even when he's like speaking really fast, like it doesn't slip for a second. Yeah, just really impressed. Generally. It is really good, isn't yeah. it? You're right, because usually when people get angry, the accent It comes out through. like anyone who's Australian and when they shout ends up sounding Australian. Yeah. Russell Crowe. And <laughs> you just can't cover it up. Javert. Like, yeah, Javert from Manly Beach. Um... <laughs> <laughs> People calling out the doctor is always fun. Um, you're just making this up as you go along. Yeah. Yes, he is. <laughs> he always is. Fake this it did make me laugh. Yeah, literally fake it till you make it. And this did make me laugh when they were like, where do you learn to fly that thing? PlayStation. <laughs> it's like, cool. Oh, that reminds me of another moment I really enjoyed when the doctor is like, I know exactly what I'm doing. And then there's an immediate explosion. Like, the TARDIS <laughs> immediately like blows up. Okay, cool. Yeah. 
And also, he's a battery. You know when he's breathing on the TARDIS, he's like, that's taken 10 years of my life. Like, what? Oh, interesting. I think they did also refer to the TARDIS as a she. Yeah, he does. In the beginning, I did like that as well. Also, just reminded me, there's that moment where Barty Crouch is like, they will come to me, my new children, the eternal ones. I'm like, do you want vampires? Because this is how you get vampires. Yeah, true. The eternal ones. I mean, that's (laughs) very... Just did a vampire. I mean, do they live forever? Well, in the suit, yeah. Yeah, for the benefit of listeners, Jen was doing a kind of rip-off of the thriller dance, uh, <laughs> but doing vampire fangs, bearing in sizes. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like, surely they live for... The brain, they're just keeping the brain alive in the but suit. But, like, with what? Like, do they eat? Like, that's nah. organic matter. It's just all, like, electric impulses. Well, keeping a brain... No, but it needs... Brains take, like, 20% of our calories, and they need fat or... <laughs> Carbs. Strap in people. So with the science. <laughs> All right, Jen. Fine. <laughs> Suspension of disbelief. Okay, I do that a lot, right? Especially during do. all of the hacking. Like, no, that's a good point. It's a good point. Like, is the brain even in there? Surely that's how. Yeah, it's they're operating. like, it's a human brain inside. Because there was like, you know, when he was like, yeah, elbow, like fucking elbow deep in the chest cavity, there was like fleshy material. So did they encase the body in the cyber suit? And then, like, it becomes so, ooh, it's a bit Borg. So, yeah. like, it's half human, half robot. But then you would argue that you should be able to it's reverse, rot away. reverse the effects uh, of taking them. I don't They didn't even try that, did they? They were like, can we turn them into human robots and then let them have a life or choose or just, to live? Like, just <laughs> like the switch that makes them want to murder everyone. Like, then they can just be helper robots. Yeah, It's like basically. that Simpsons episode where it's the crusty doll being like, you had it set to evil. It's not <laughs> Yeah, just flip it down. They didn't explore other options, which so I recognise that they're on a time pressure when you're in dire peril. But but the doctor's also familiar with them, right? Yeah, he's like, nah, nah, there's no helping. No, he said that about the Dalek, and the Dalek changed. Uh, Have you tried reversing the polarity of the neutral neuron (laughs) flow or whatever it is? Just sonic screwdriver them. I mean, to be fair, the Scottish screwdriver can like kind of do anything. Worked on rope for some reason. Yeah, I don't think it, uh, should. it can work on door, like it unlocks anything. It's not supposed to work on wood though, so. Oh what? Mm. Anyway, it works Let's when they need it to that. work. Yeah, ex, yeah. What's a juice ex machina? Yeah. <laughs> Whenever it needs to work, it'll work. Okay, cool. <laughs> Good chats. Great chats as always, mate. Happy to be here. Yeah, it was a it was a tough watch, I have to say. Like, no, it wasn't bad. It just wasn't very Dude, good. I was like, this is an hour and a half after ten minutes. Yeah, I mean, it was not the Slovene, so it's not like no. insufferable. But it would have been nice to be fun. Yeah, at least the Jack episodes were fun. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Like, very little romance mm. we've had recently. There's not been much flirty flirt. No. Which I'm kind of missing though. Although I know I chat shit about it, but yeah, I mean. You don't need romantic connections for meaning. I don't mean that, but... Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's because Mickey is there, so it's, like, purposely ruining the vibe. Yeah, true. (laughs) Harshing the buzz. Um, But also just because whenever there's romance, I want everyone to get it on, and then I remember that it's a a kid's TV show and there's not going to be sex, but I want that to happen. Like, all the time. Okay, so we've discovered like, that you don't like a fade to black. No, fuck no. Like, give it to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I want to see that. Yeah. Yeah, that's not going to happen. No, I know. Implied. <laughs> wow. I mean, descent into chaos. Yeah. <laughs> that might be a bit at the end of this one. <laughs> so, mm. next week, we'll be watching episode seven of season two, The Idiot's Lantern. Yep, great. Intrigued by that title. <laughs> Please let us know your thoughts by emailing a TARDIS of one's own at gmail.com or find us on Twitter. Thank you again, Jessica. Hope you're listening. And Instagram. Check out the show notes for links and for all the references. I mean, limited to me, there. This is mainly vibes. Uh, <laughs> references discussed in this app. 
An attempt was made. Yeah. Right. No, and you're here. You're here for our opinions, right? There's a million podcasts doing Doctor Who unpicking in a very Doctor Who-y way. That's not that's not what we bring to the table. No, we bring feminist angry vibes. <laughs> so basically. that is your jam. And well, welcome. Heavily biased, probably problematic opinions. Yeah. Um, from our own lived experiences. <laughs> but that's fine. Valid. All feelings are valid, Jen. Yeah, if you take one thing away from this episode, <laughs> take that all feelings are valid. You don't have to strive for perfection. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. We um, see you where you are. Be happy where you are. Have a nice day. Yeah. And a week. And uh, a fortnight. We're going for dinner. Yeah. So. Well, then we'll report back. Yeah. See you <laughs> later, skaters. Bye. Bye. I love you. Bye. Subscribe. Like. Bye.